presented by BP. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Wednesday, September 27th. Last night, both the House and Senate took procedural steps toward advancing spending legislation, but this morning, Washington is no closer to averting a shutdown. If anything, lawmakers are further apart. In the House, Speaker Kevin McCarthy's fractious Republican conference finally passed a rule governing debate for four appropriations bills. These are the appropriations bills that conservatives have blocked from the floor for months now. And sure, it's a tiny victory for Kevin McCarthy, but it doesn't address the funding deadline that is now just four days away. The Senate, meanwhile, advanced a continuing resolution that funds the government until November 17th. And 77 senators actually agreed to this procedural move. This stopgap actually includes $6 billion each for Ukraine and for disaster funding. But McCarthy is already saying the Senate plan is dead on arrival in the House. Instead, he says he's going to be sending it back with spending cuts and then a border crackdown. And that proposal, of course, as you know, is dead on arrival in the Senate. During a presser last night, Congressman August Flunger, who's a Republican from Texas, summed this up pretty aptly. He said, quote, the president needs to make a decision. If he wants to keep the government open, he needs to shut down the border. No border security, no funding. That pretty much sums up everything we're going to be talking about in the next couple of days. Of course, it's not clear that McCarthy actually has the votes for his own continuing resolution that includes this border crackdown. He did tell reporters last night that he would bring up this proposal regardless of the whip count, but you have members like Matt Gates and his posse saying they still have enough votes to tank any Republican CR. And McCarthy has actually dodged questions about what he will do if Republicans can't pass a GOP CR at all. Does he put the Senate bill on the floor? Seems unlikely since he would probably face a motion to vacate, but we'll see what he ends up doing. I do think it's worth noting that just a few weeks ago, McCarthy was trying to convince his own members that the border policy fight was something they should pick later on when they talk about long-term spending negotiations later in the year, not during a shutdown showdown. And yet here he is talking about the need for border security in order to keep the government funded. And border security, by the way, that his own Republican proposal actually cuts. So that's something to watch. Last night, McCarthy tried to suggest that the onus was actually on the White House to avert a shutdown. He said, the president just has to call us up. Let's sit down. Let's get this done before the end of the week. And yet it's not unfair to ask how Biden and Democrats writ large can negotiate with a leader who made a spending cap steal just a few months ago and actually has gone back on his word. In fact, Biden actually has talked about this a little bit earlier this week. He said, quote, just a few months ago, the Speaker of the House and I agreed to spending levels for the government. We made a deal. We shook hands. Now they're reneging on the deal. And he's not wrong about that. One thing to watch as this all plays out, there are some Senate Republicans who support Ukraine aid and do not want to see a government shutdown, but they are concerned that including $6 billion in Ukraine assistance on the CR will make it harder to keep the government open. I was talking to Kevin Kramer about this yesterday. Kramer said, yes, he supports the Ukraine aid, but he is concerned about this strategy that Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell seem to have agreed to, and that is extending government funding for a short time, but also including $6 billion worth of Ukraine. 
carrying aid. We'll see if Republicans are able to convince the Senate to take that out in hopes that McCarthy will actually allow that stopgap bill on the floor for a vote. Now, the big news today is actually it's several thousand miles away in California. The second Republican debate will take place tonight. The big question, of course, is what, if anything, can these candidates do to try to close the gap on Donald Trump? And the answer seems to be, at least right now, that they can't really do much. I mean, after the first Republican debate, there was a lot of coverage, uh, a lot of really interesting conversation. You got to know the candidates pretty well. They had some standout moments, but nobody really saw a bump in the polls. In fact, the Republican candidate that saw the most growth in the polls following the debate was somebody who was actually not even on the debate stage. Yes, Donald Trump. His numbers have gone up on an average of something like three to 4% since then. There's also new polling from ABC and the Washington Post showing that he leads Biden by about double digits right now. And a lot of people have thrown shade at this poll. Sure, it's definitely an outlier. But when you look at numbers like that, it is going to make harder for candidates who are on the debate stage tonight to make this electability argument. People like Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, others on the debate stage, they're trying to appeal to Republican voters by saying, look, I'm the best one who's in the best position to defeat Joe Biden. But when you have polling like we saw over this weekend, that sort of upends that argument. And so we'll have to see how these candidates scramble tonight to try to tell voters that they should reassess their support for Trump and turn to them. In other news today, Donald Trump will be giving a speech in Michigan uh, where he'll be talking about the auto workers union strike. And this comes a day after President Joe Biden was visiting the picket line in Michigan, which was a first for sitting president. It will be interesting to see how this tit for tat between Biden and Trump will actually influence the votes of blue collar workers who are striking. Obviously, Michigan, along with Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Ohio are key battleground states that will probably determine who takes the White House next. And for the rest of your schedule today, President Biden will be holding a meeting with the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology in San Francisco. And you should be sure to join Politico for the inaugural AI and Tech Summit. The event will tackle what the public and private sectors need to do to sharpen our competitive edge amidst rising global competitors and rapidly evolving disruptive technologies. Our own Eugene Daniels will be sitting down for a conversation with Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts, and you should register online now through the link in today's playbook. I'm Rachel Bate. Thanks for listening. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. Those are just two of the ways BP is investing in America. See more at bp.com slash investing in America.